I think Esri has actually done an excellent job of that. I mean, you guys have gotten people out. We've gotten involved with the governor prior when there was the moratorium and other things to make sure that, you know, the single families are, are being impacted, you know, protected. Because there's a huge difference between, like, my large clients that may have 400 doors on a single site and an Azria investor that maybe owns three properties. If one of those rents don't, residents don't pay, you got a very different problem right. than you do on, on the multifamily side. So I think Azria does a really good job of that. It's really just getting the information out to the members because there's a huge volume of people that are, would otherwise be unrepresented if it wasn't for Azria being the voice of the industry. You're listening to The Azria Show. If you're looking for quality real estate investing information that you can trust, you've found it. Stay tuned and join the tens of thousands of members that have already benefited from Azria, your home for education, market information, support, and networking opportunities that will advance your real estate investing career. Hello, great state of Arizona and the Azria family. We are blessed to be here to do another episode of the Azria Show. I'm Marcus Maloney and our co-host. Mike Delpree, hello, hello. And today we have Zona Law with Mark Zimmerman. How are you doing today, Mark? Good, you guys, thank you so much for having me. Mike, yes. Marcus, good to see you. Not Anytime. a problem. So we're gonna talk all things legal. So let's kind of get started. Let's just jump right in, Mark. So let's try not to bore the people. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been an attorney? You know, kind of what's your background as far as real estate attorney? Sure, yeah, so I've actually been doing this I guess now, probably about 17 years, a little crazy, okay. just hitting my 17th year this year. Graduated law school 2005, was living in New Orleans, came back here after law school and kind of jumped right into doing this stuff. Um, seems kind of out of nowhere, basically. Yeah. It's a weird area of the law, <laughs> uh, but I've loved it. I mean, it lets us to do, really work one-on-one -on -one with clients, which is great. It's kind of the best part yeah. I like is helping them grow their business. So what brought you from New Orleans to Arizona? I'd actually grew up here. Okay. Undergrad. I kind of did the jump through the okay. country. Undergrad at Wisconsin, law school at New Orleans, and then head back. Got it. Got it. Okay. And did, you, did you start your own practice right away or did you work for somebody? Uh, no. So when I was coming out of school, I was trying to figure out what I want to do, right? Like in law school, they don't really tell you what the real world looks like. Mm -hmm. Kind of same way real estate is. Yeah. They're like, just go do it. And you're like, yeah. okay. So I was trying to figure out, do I want to go to a big firm or do I want to do a small firm where I can kind of do a different level of you know mm -hmm. involvement and so i met who is now my partner scott williams he's mm -hmm. been doing this about 30 years started working for him a couple of years then i was a partner then we took on another partner and kind of just kept adding, kept adding the last names exactly yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. truly i mean that's actually what happened and finally the most recent merger was we had like two different firms we had kogemeyer law group who's matt kogemeyer is an excellent attorney been doing a lot of landlord tenant mm -hmm. stuff for years and some pi as well and we had ours which was williams and Parham. And I was like, we can't take this many names. It's going to sound ridiculous. <laughs> so the state bar allowed you to start using trade names. So that's oh, what we okay. came up with Zona Law and then just make it easy for people. Website's name's easy. The remember it's easy. It's just kind of, oh, like yeah, it. we use Zona. Yeah, I like your guys' logo, everything you guys got going on. Thanks. good. Yeah. Perfect, perfect. Well, thank you for being a business associate with Azria. So that's that's one plus, right? Oh, there. it's been great. I think we've been with Azria now since 2012. So I'm literally probably hitting 10 years now. Yeah. Uh, which easy. is awesome. Yeah. yeah. So what are some of the services you guys provide? So for all uh, the Azria members, I mean, the basic landlord tenant kind of your evictions, your fair housing issues, is the big one, security deposit litigation, and then a lot of the transactional stuff, you know, clients come to us for documents to understand mm -hmm. just, hey, I'm trying to wholesale. How do I do it? What am I doing? Mm -hmm. I need the disclosures. I need a lease. I need to be able to do an option. And so we yeah, try gotcha. to walk, walk them through those kind of processes. And, and do you guys provide... Um, 
any leases? Do you guys provide documents to members or is there anything you guys do along those lines? Or? Absolutely, yeah. We have documents, um, certain standard ones. Most forms we just give out to ASRIA members for free. Got it. We have discounted rates also for ASRIA members for like our lease option, which obviously mm -hmm. is a bit more custom. We have to work with clients on that. And so anything that we on a regular basis do, we have pretty much forms for it Got to it. help okay. keep well, it cheap. And I know you guys were a big benefit during the moratorium and everything like that. And you really, really helped the members. So kind of where are we at right now with all of that? No, I appreciate you saying that. The moratorium was the weirdest thing I'll hopefully ever live through. <laughs> it's never good when you're in the eviction business and they say you can't do evictions. Right, uh, right. So two years of quiet time in our office. And most of that time was really just spent advising clients of what they can and can't do, right? We mm -hmm. weren't even billing. It was just literally, hey, get out as much information so that mm -hmm. landlords are able to do the right thing. Right now, we've finally kind of gotten back to where, at least in the eviction world, landlords have their rights back. They're enabled to you know, enforce their leases the way they're supposed to. All the moratoriums have kind of gone. The only thing we really have left over is just kind of some court rules, hoops that we have to jump through. You know, we have clients that we see maybe once every five years. So they'll send us over like the two pages that we need to start an eviction. I'm like, that worked five years ago. <laughs> now the court requires this whole stack of things to get from you to kind of walk you through it. So we're kind of getting back to normal though, but obviously the Arizona market and real estate's gone crazy. Yeah. So, so, so is all the moratorium stuff just done now? Is there anything lingering or anything anyone should know? Or No, there's nothing lingering in terms of the moratoriums or anything like that. There's definitely just more of national attention on what's going on here with real estate, with evictions, landlord-tenant matters. There's a, there is moratoriums in other states, which I think is important to know, because there's a real big shift of what's going on. I'm obviously politically involved, but across the country, it's there's a big eye on landlords. And Arizona happens to be one of those states that people are tracking real closely. How come? Yeah. Yeah, like, why? What are some reasons? Or don't hold back. Man. Come on, <laughs> let us let us know. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's obviously you guys know there's a ton of people here, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. And there's more people coming every single day. I mean, I think they're estimating it's like 200 people a day are yep. moving here. Exactly. We're we've been underbuilt as a state since 2011, which means every year we've gone into a hole, which is what's causing rents to go up. This year we're in a legislative session. Legislative session is open. I think it's going to be a, a long session, but. I mean, I think there's been four or five bills proposed on rent control this year alone. Mm -hmm. The stuff you guys see in the newspaper, immediately that goes to the legislatures and they're like, oh, well, how do we fix these kind of issues? It's going to be an interesting legislative session with what we're dealing with right now, but the election in November is going to determine where we go as a state. It's funny mm -hmm. you say that because even just in my daily conversations outside of real estate, family, friends, and just where we are at, can't, can't the government stop the rents from going up? Like that's a kind of normal, probably yeah. from the media. Like 100%. I'm, I'm hearing a lot more of in just normal conversations, kind of nerve wracking. People are very accepting of the, the idea of rent control. We always joke during the moratorium is like, obviously all evictions were stopped at that time. And people understood it as it appeared generally that they seemed okay with it, but you would never, so people are okay with not paying their landlord, but being able to stay in the property. The flip was they never went into a grocery store and were like, hey, can you give me groceries, but I can't pay you for it. The, right, gov right. the government yes. may do that. <laughs> and we're now kind of seeing that with the rent control concept, because it's being pushed really hard, which is, okay, maybe rent control is not a bad idea, but then you never go to a grocery store and say, hey, don't charge extra for the milk or mm -hmm. don't, you know, let's cap gas prices, those yeah. kind of things. But I just published this morning or today on a, just on LinkedIn, a random thing. There was an article, Minneapolis or St. Paul actually passed rent control in November. Literally, it was a voter initiative in November of last year, 21. Since that, between December and March, so literally immediately, development in St. Paul and the pipeline of permits has dropped 80% year over year. Wow. Which means nothing is going to get built in that right. sound, which means eventually rents are going to skyrocket. Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's wow. just a really bad idea.
And I think you said something, you did say something years ago that's always stuck with me as a uh, vote. Like you, it was like two, two years ago, three years ago, you're just like vote now because who you're voting for now is going to determine what happens in a couple of years from now. Is that right? Uh, I'm, I'm just impressed. Somebody was listening to me on the stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was listening. We're all listening, man. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's true though. Like it doesn't matter to me where you are politically, whatever it is though, put your vote on it. You know, yeah. I mean, that's what it is. If you're for rent control, sure, knock your socks off, go vote for that. Mm -hmm. But if you're against it and you're into investing and like this is your bread and butter, this is your retirement, mm -hmm. vote. Don't just talk after and complain about how things are done. This is your chance to actually make a difference. And I think that's a big an issue. Very true. So, so what are what are some things being here? We're in April, right? So what are some things that we should be looking at as landlords coming up in November? Well, so right now, so the way it'll work in the legislature, right? So the legislature is open right now. They're proposing bills left and right. It'll probably close. It's going to be a long session because there's a surplus in funds this year, let's say May, June. And those will be the bills. It appears that everything's kind of going to stay status quo. There'll be nothing significant change. But in November, we have elections for governor, secretary of state, a number of important statewide positions. Right. And that'll determine whether you go, you know, purple, blue, red, mm -hmm. and that'll affect then the the 2021-23, I guess next year, legislative session when that opens up. That's when potential for rent control and all these other issues okay. will affect. And just simple things for a lot of the ASRIA members. Like we're so used to doing a five-day notice for non-payment of rent. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a bill to change that to 15 days. Oh, wow. Well, if you're trying to, you know, collect from your resident and you're trying to pay your mortgage, that Half quick change. Gone, right? Yeah, exactly. So it makes a huge difference. People always kind of forget that whatever happened to the legislature directly affects real estate. Like there's mm -hmm. no delay. There's no lag. It's just, okay, Maybe. we changed our practices. Wow. So what can we do as real estate investors? You know, you said vote, go out and vote, make sure we vote. But is there anything that we can do as a sounding board to help inform our associate members or just the general public? Yeah, no, I think Azri has actually done an excellent job of that. I mean, you guys have gotten people out. We've gotten involved with the governor prior when there was the moratorium and other things to make sure that, you know, the single families are, are being impacted, you know, protected. Because there's a huge difference between like my large clients that may have 400 doors on a single site and an Azria investor that maybe owns three properties. Mm -hmm. If one of those rents don't, residents don't pay, you got a very different problem right. than you do on, on the multifamily side. So I think Azria does a really good job of that is really just getting the information out to the members because there's a huge volume of people that are, would otherwise be unrepresented if it wasn't for Azria being the voice of the industry. Awesome. Thank you, man. So I had a question going back into evictions or Marcus, do you have anything on no, go this? Ahead. Okay. Go ahead. So you guys focus on evictions. So is there anything with rents going up? Are you noticing more evictions or anyone trying to stay in their house or are you know anything, anything unique happening? Yeah. So we're at a point right now, obviously. Um, so everything now is a tract and they're even being reported now on a monthly basis from the courts. So year to date, we're still about 9% below uh, where we were pre pandemic. Cause obviously the okay. pandemic mm -hmm. hit. Evictions right. were stopped, so they fell off a cliff. So you kind of compare where we are now to 2019. We're still down about 9%. Which, and people are like, oh, there's evictions arising. Well, yeah, they're rising. They're getting back to back to normal. Back to normal. Mm -hmm. But what people are so beyond blind about is they want to keep saying, oh, it's bad press, but you know, pushing that issue. We're below at 9% still. And in that same time, we've picked up a half million new people that have moved to Arizona. Wow. So right. our actual per capita has dropped even Drop, significantly. Yeah. It's just the sheer volume because we have so many people that are coming here. So what I see is a lot of clients are working with tenants as much as possible. Yeah. 
There's a ton of rental assistance out there. There's still literally, I think, hundreds of millions of dollars available for landlords. And he has remembers. I think a lot of them just don't think that the money's going to be paid to them. Mm -hmm. I can't stress that enough. Just go out and apply. Have your tenants apply. Is it for the tenant? Does the money for the tenant or is it for a fund for the landlord or they separate? No, no. Great question. So it's it's money. The tenant has to apply for it, but it's money that's paid to the landlord. Yep. And it. so I'm literally seeing clients that are getting 10, 20, 40 grand in rental assistance for tenants that haven't paid, literally on single homes. Wow. We're like, if you have a single home and your your rent is 2,500, 3,000 a month, the government's paying that up to like a year in certain cases. Wow. Well, okay. I, I was a beneficiary of the rental assistance. I had, okay. a, I had a tenant that couldn't pay and yeah, it was a seamless process. And it's amazing. Yeah. And they sent me a check and I was like, Okay. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it's the greatest thing you'd ask for. I mean, that's what I always said during the moratoriums. I was like, don't stop evictions. Just if the government wants to cure the problem, let the government let pay. The, exactly. It works for everybody. Government will pay. Landlord gets the mortgage mm-hmm. covered. Tenant gets the rent covered. It works. It was just the stopping of the evictions, denying landlords the rights. Right, that was right. the problem. That was the problem. But that's great to hear. I mean, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. So. Thank you for all of the information that you put out, you know, to the members. Yeah, wasn't there a chart months back that they only released like 20% of that fund? Is yeah. that still the case? Or? Yeah, we're still tickling up. I think we're at like 35% okay. of all, I think it was like a half billion dollars, some, uh, some insane amount of rental assistance that came into the state. And they're at about, I think 35 to 40% has been mm-hmm. released all now. Right, it's getting better. It's getting up yeah. there. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, it was, it was a lot of misperception because the landlords didn't know you know, do I apply for it or do the tenants apply for it? And that was the thing is you have to notify your tenants and make sure the tenants apply for it. So that was that was one of the things that we did was we notified all of our tenants that was having issues paying their rent and gladly assisted. Yeah, and that's the way to do it. I mean, I think that's kind of going back to what you guys do at Asri is tell the members to go do those things, right? It's just mm-hmm. knowing is, okay, my tenants are back for a month. If I can find out, oh, I can just give them the information they can go apply and then it's money in your pocket. It's great. Right. And the benefit for me was it wasn't even properties that I own in Arizona. These are properties that I own elsewhere. Really? But because of the information that you shared with the ASRIA members, then I said, okay, well, let me look in this other state because I know it's it's national. It's yeah. not just in Arizona. And that's what we did. And we had our tenants to uh Oh wow, cool, man. To that's do amazing. It. So thank you, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Where's my cut of that money? Yeah. <laughs> wow. So so what about because when you'd come on every month and give us an update during COVID. And we do polling, right? It's how many people are actually vacant or, or what's the occupancy rate. And it, was, it looked pretty good, you know, were people paying rent through ASRIA members, the polling. Absolutely. So what was the overall looking back now? Was it, was it that bad, the people not paying rent? No, I think Arizona did remarkably yeah. well. I think collections rates were very strong throughout the entire pandemic. Mm-hmm. I think part of that is landlords were working with tenants. Part of it was there were so many people moving here. Even when there was the moratorium, I think people still got that concern of, you know, if I got evicted, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. out of luck. So yeah, they really right. tried to pay. And then the rental assistance was kind of the final icing on the cake just to keep the money coming in, which is great. I mean, honestly, when I talked to clients originally, they thought you're, you're going to be billions in losses, yeah. which it wasn't, which is great. I, I think the my concern now is that the more since there's been an eviction moratorium once, is that something the government would do again? Yeah. And that's my standard. Yeah. Cool. All right. So now we talked to the whole COVID eviction. So you guys obviously specialize in evictions. So what are some things we can give some new investors, some tips we can give new investors about, you know, their first rental property, maybe they're having trouble with a tenant. What are some processes they should look into just to kind of protect themselves? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing, I, what I see, especially with Azria, is not realizing 
and the two of you guys know this, but mm-hmm. like the first person that comes in and just jumps in and buys a rental property, right? Mm-hmm. They don't realize that they just got into a new business. Yeah, It's not just like an asset mm-hmm. you own and it just sits there and sub- suddenly it's truly passive income, like yeah. kind of a misnomer oh, and everything. Yes. <laughs> you guys yeah. hustle, right? Like yeah. it's, it's part of the job. But I always say it's, it's no different than you go and buy a McDonald's. Like mm-hmm. you're going to have to know how to make a Big Mac. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're renting out a property, you better know that if something happens, what your obligation what to is to do. fix it. Or if your tenant's delinquent, how do you invoke your rights? I mean, if a water heater goes out and there's mold, okay, well, I hear mold every single day. It doesn't scare me. You guys as well, you know, you right. just have to go handle. Remediate. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> fix the problem. But I think too many people jump in, not really a business. And as long as they can get their policies, procedures set up, get their basic documents set up, all of that, it's great. Got it. But that's what's missed, I think, on people that just kind of step into it and don't have any idea what they're getting into. And do you guys consult for that or is there Absolutely. a package or something that? You know, no, I, yeah. I mean, my preference obviously um, is just to have a client come in, as real members sit down, kind of go through all of the big picture kind of things that they'll run into. It's it. a good idea. I think going to your guys' courses is critical, frankly, just to give them the basic information of what they're doing. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I think you can, I mean, the real estate is amazing to me, but, and you can do it really well. You just have to know what you're doing. Very important. Research. Yeah. yeah. So if someone was going through an eviction right now or they have a tenant that in place that's squatting, not paying, what would be the first steps? What would be the steps? You know, let's give some some steps for people to follow in order to uh, get that person out. All right. Step one would be called zoning. Law. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you teed up that too well. No, we actually just did. So we have a podcast, obviously, uh, just more on the legal side of things. It was big during the pandemic because to kind of keep people updated. But we just were rolling out for management companies on our multifamily side, really different series, some on fair housing. We just did one on evictions, which is the only reason I mention it. It's like kind of a three-part series your pre-eviction, what you do during the court, and then after mm-hmm. as well. But right off the bat, I mean, it's giving notice, right? I, I think the hardest thing people think with evictions is because nobody likes to do evictions. Yep. Like our, we have a lot of business on it, obviously, but it's not something you're like, oh, I love to go do this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You do it professionally and just realize that's the only remedy a landlord has if something's gone wrong on their property. Like if a tenant's breaching, tenant's causing problems, you know, smoking in the property, disturbing everybody else, all it comes down, the only thing a landlord can do is an eviction. So they have to know that you can send notices all day long. It doesn't do any yeah. good. You file an eviction. So in Arizona, you have a cure notice, which is, you know, for non-payment, five day, non-compliance is a 10 day, serve it. And if the problem isn't cured, the next thing you're going to be doing is rolling into that eviction. So go back to serving. So it's, you know, I hear multiple hand, things. Yeah. Hand, knock on the door. Like, so what is, is my question, right? Do you post it on the door? Like, is there certified letters? There's all these different things I hear. So what's the proper way? Yeah, no, I love the question because <laughs> that's probably the most common mistake people make, which yeah. is the easiest thing, which never makes sense to me. In Arizona, we have only two things that's really kind of guaranteed as valid delivery. One is certified mail, okay, which means it's deemed received five days later. So even if the person never picks up the mail, which most people don't, yep. it's, <laughs> as, it's as if they actually got it five days later. So that's fine. So save that receipt yep. that you get. Yep. Okay. They don't have to sign for it, anything. They just literally, the fact that you sent it certified is valid. And number two is hand delivery, which literally means, Mike, I'm sticking it in your hand. If mm-hmm. you don't want it, I'm going to throw it at your feet. Posting on the door doesn't count. I have so many See, emails. I say a ton of Ezra members will ask me that question. They'll like send me a file in. I'm like, okay, well, how'd you hand deliver it? They're like, oh, I posted it on the door. And I go, great. Well, it's not really hand delivery. You have to hand deliver it. They're like, well, I took a picture of it. I was like, well, great. You took a picture of a door, <laughs> yes. but it's still not a person on the getting that notice. Yep. Uh, so those are the two ways, hand deliver it. And I mean, truly certifying for the $4 or whatever yeah. it costs now, Beneficial. just send out. There's no reason. I mean, judges yeah. hate when people come in and they're like, well, 
they fight over whether their person was hand delivered. It's like, why wouldn't you oh, just save yourself the hassle? Yeah, just four dollars, send it, and, and you're done. Keep the receipt. Yeah. Wow. One one thing I learned about that process. So I had a situation where at a multi unit where everyone was supposed to be month to month. Come to find out, they you know well basically they stopped paying. They wouldn't pay rent. So I took the, my notice, served them, went to court, and they had they showed up with one year leases, all of them. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So so I was like. I was like, oh, shoot, this is not good for me, you know, uh, you know, anyway, so I was like, so I told the judge, I was like, hey, how do we know these are even real? But he was like, that's another story. So so I was kind of stuck, you know, Uh, it's horrible. Yeah. So he was he basically said, well, to all the tenants there, they all grouped together, you know, Mm -hmm. to to play the game. And they're like, he's like, well, do you guys have your rents? They're like, no, <laughs> you know, so that's what saved right. me. Oh. They didn't even bring their rents yeah. to, but in that process to say all that, to say a stopple, can you talk about that and yeah. the yes. importance of that in your inspection or wherever it may be? So you're saying when you're buying a property? Yeah. If I had done the estoppel process before I bought it, I may have avoided that situation. Is that correct? Or? Yeah. People don't realize in any real estate with a single family home, multifamily property, if you buy it, you take whatever subject to whatever rights the people have that are in that home. And so we see this a lot. So we represent, I mean, even back through the recession, we represent a lot of the companies that do buying a trustee sale, Mm -hmm. a lot of investors, a lot of wholesalers. And so they all kind of come with their own different thing. Uh, But people are like, oh, I bought this property. I need the person out. So my first question is, what are they doing in the home? Mm-hmm. They're like, I don't know, but they're there. They're in my home. I'm like, well, they might have a right to be there. You can't just say get out. And so we've seen it all. Literally, I've seen clients buy properties only to turn out that the person in the home had like an option to buy it at a lower price. So if you buy it for three fifty, and it turns out, you know, Marcus has got an option at two fifty. You better believe he's exercising that option, yeah. and wow. you're stuck. So wait, wait, and you don't have to record an option. No, well, well, potentially you'd have to record to have it effective against a buyer. Okay. Or right. again, even in that case, I think Marcus would actually have a pretty strong argument because again, you have constructive knowledge. He's in there. It's your job as the buyer to figure out what he's doing in there before you close. Ah, great information. Wow. So, and I, unfortunately we have seen that a lot of the times, so though, not that extreme. It's more often that the person's in there and has like a two-year lease wow, yeah. or like a three-year lease. And you're like, okay, well, I guess I'm sitting for the next couple mm-hmm. of years. And then the question is, okay, hey, what's if their rent is 600? Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of a you're starting a right on that, buying the property and you're at a loss you're day right. one. Yeah. So I always suggest whenever you're buying a property, no matter how good the deal is, go talk to whoever it is. I mean, ideally it's the former owner that's in the property and you just kind of yeah. proceed to get the possession back but anytime it's an occupant you got to figure out what their rights are you still have me thinking about that option agreement man. I was like, <laughs> wow that's tough we 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 interviewed someone that had a situation where they bought the house from the lady and the they had forged the deed like she had her cousin as a notary and her boyfriend signed the house over and he bought the house from the lady yeah but he was like, then they asked him to leave. And he's like, what do you mean? It's my house. This is my house. Yeah. yeah. I've got one of those on my desk right now. I'm not a joke. Wow. See that all the time. It's kind wow. of, that's the one benefit of trustee sales, right? I mean, the trustee sale, at least for clarity, the trustee's deed clears, clears. title, wipes yeah. everything. Okay. Well. Great. As long as you're buying a first position, you buy a second position, it's a whole different game. Wow. Are you seeing a lot of um, transactions? Are you up on that? The, tr- the trustee sale? Is it, is it uh, yeah. active or? I mean, it's definitely not what it, ever what it was. was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we lived through the, the Great Recession and kind of that business was incredible at that time. So no, it's definitely different. It's still small numbers because there's so much equity obviously out there for property owners. You just see what I, what we see is deals, more random locations, less in Phoenix, less, you know. Outskirts. Yeah. Prescott, okay. any kind of anywhere other. Wow. Issues. 
Cool stuff, man. This episode of The Azria Show is brought to you by Azria Business Associate, Zona Law Group. Zona Law Group handles numerous real estate matters with a focus on landlord-tenant law in Arizona. For more information, visit their site at zona.law. Which is what else we got? Uh, I don't know. Well, wh- we wh- should start playing Stump the Attorney. Let's yeah. No, but we were talking earlier about, you know, the bills going through. Yeah. I and mean, we were talking about the wholesaling one, which is obviously a possibility. Um, was that, yes, you so know, 2747, yeah, HB 2747. So before we go into that, so what we're noticing is, right, in other states, like where Marcus is from, Chicago, I think Oklahoma yep. as well, like just making it illegal wholesaling real estate. So uh, is there any other states I'm missing? I, they show those like a the, pipeline. Those of, are the two right now currently. And there's a few in the in the books and the pipeline going to happen. So I didn't know that they'd done that in Chicago. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Chicago hates landlords property owners. Yeah. Chicago is a litigious state, you know, so everything, well, Illinois is a litigious state. So it's it's everything for the entrepreneur, the business owner is not favorable. Yeah. You know, when it comes to landlord tenant rights, it's always skewed to so. Yeah, I don't think they allow, uh, and I, I don't think they do evictions during the winter. No. Like, you can't no, physically get somebody out because it's considered yep. a hardship. Because it's a hardship. Exactly. Wow. So, so let's and, talk. And tenants understand that and they know these laws. So they'll pay their rent all the way up to November and then won't First pay. First day of snow. Yeah. <laughs> they won't pay rent until April. That just happened, not that specific, but in Cleveland, the tenant, I guess, if they feel the tenant feels that the landlord's not fixing something or they feel like you're a slumlord or whatever, they can take their rent payment and bring it to the court until the court releases it, releases it and figures it out. So, yeah, so I had to deal deal with that, Um, (laughs) but they didn't pay them rent before. So yeah. the court didn't accept it because they didn't pay the month for either. Yeah. <laughs> that's, but it's a game. Like you said, mm-hmm. they understand. Some people understand the game. But we don't have that here. No, right, I, right now we don't, good. which is good, obviously. But I think that's where, I mean, that's why people take money. I mean, a ton of my multifamily clients took money out of California and dumped it in here. Mm-hmm. The thought process mm-hmm. was you have rent control there. You have longer eviction periods. It's a more miserable process. And that's why, I mean, we'll see what happens with Arizona because it's going to be a question of whether investors keep coming here or they skip over here and go to Texas or go somewhere else. Yeah. So, so now with Arizona and the wholesaling, so what do you, so what do you think about that? First of all, like, do you think that's even what's something that can even happen making wholesaling illegal? Yeah. I don't see making wholesaling illegal. It doesn't even make any sense to me at all how you could make it illegal anyways. Right. Like it's just literally you're a party to a contract. You turn Mm -hmm. around and then sell the contract. It's basic contract rights to me. It's a private issue. I know that like disclosure, we can talk about in a second that Mm -hmm. sure notify Mm -hmm. the parties to the transaction. I can see that happening. For years here in Arizona, they've been pushing, there's been numerous bills proposed to actually make wholesaling covered by the DRE, by the Department of Real right. Estate. So you'd have to have a license to wholesale. But again, traditionally, it's it's actually exempt because you're a party to the transaction. And wholesale, people don't do it without realizing is that you're actually, hey, I'm going to buy this property. Mm-hmm. I may have a backdoor to get out of it if I want, but mm-hmm. I'm buying the property. I'm putting my five grand down. I'm then going to turn and try and sell off my interest to somebody else. So you're in the game for the five grand. And so the department, I think, in past years has tried to get involved in that. It's never really gone anywhere. So mm-hmm. I think they're trying to kind of come to other ways to control, get involved in wholesaling. Which yeah. is the HB 2747. So it's mainly, so what did you read from that when you just looked it over? Sure. Yeah. It's a, basically a lot of pro, uh, bill right now that's in the Senate um, 
to require that wholesalers, and again, how that's defined, how that's controlled, because mm-hmm. it's never really been defined properly in the past, would have to give certain disclosures when buying a property. So if they're, you know, if I'm coming to you, you've got a property on the market, I come to you and say, hey, I want to secure it. I'll give you a five down and, you know, my option to do whatever mm-hmm. I want with it, that they'd have to, the wholesaler would have to put certain disclosures in there. Frankly, I think they should, clients should be doing that now mm-hmm. um, anyways, because let's be honest, people are litigious across the board. Yeah. If somebody thinks that you skimmed an extra 20 grand out of the deal that shouldn't have been there, had they realized they'd gone to market entirely, well, they're going to claim fraud against you that you hid it from them. So, and that's one of the things that they added in the AAR contract was, you know, because everybody was saying we'll buy it as is cash and everything like that. So that's why one of the addendums for the as is was in there to make sure that the property was as is clarify what as is and then as far as the purchasing the cash it's now okay you have to show us the certified funds that the cash is there readily available so wholesalers can't say well i have cash but can't really prove that that cash is there yeah and as is is a great point as well i think a lot of as members don't on the sell side don't realize that just because you sell something as is doesn't mean you're suddenly like right entirely off the hook as is means you're you've told them everything and if there's any hidden defects, you don't know of them either, because you can still get sued for hidden defects, even if you had an as is, if you knew that there was a problem mm-hmm. and you failed to disclose it. So always across the board, disclose as much as possible, just because everything ends up in litigation otherwise. Yep. Those are three words in the uh, agent arena that we always have to say, disclose, disclose, disclose. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's just as important as location, location, location. Right. <laughs> so, so is it, you think it's more like uh, agenda driven by like a national association of realtors like to get, you know, so wholesalers are not in the business kind of thing or to get their license. Do you think there's anything along those lines? Yeah. I thought it was a push originally years back when I saw it, I thought it was a push to get people licensed yeah. so mm-hmm. that they got control whether by the department or anybody else. But yeah, the newest bill I think is evidently to protect people so that you have the disclosure side of it. And you don't really know a lot of times what people don't realize with uh, legislative stuff. It literally could be a legislator, that happens to live next to a friend and the friend yeah. had a bad deal. And so they go mm-hmm. to their neighbor and they're like, can you believe this? And the guy's like, okay, well, I'll run a bill to kind of prevent mm-hmm. this from happening. Oh, wow. Yeah. So unless you sit down, you never really quite know where the, yeah. the impetus starts. My, my thought, here's my, I always think about, so I'm like, like you mentioned a little, little bit earlier, like someone's found out, oh, wow, I could have made 20 grand more. So now this wholesaler is fraud, right? Yep. But now I'm like looking at the real estate world. So look what's going on. First time home buyers, waiving buying houses yeah. as is paying waving all contingencies wa- waving all contingencies getting that new homeowner to go 10 20 30 40 grand higher to That's buy incredible. this house over appraisal and then they go get an award at their office <laughs> you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i don't know am i off track <laughs> I, I i i don't i don't get no. it so. no what's happening is truly unbelievable i mean we saw a waiver of contingencies and it, when that first started coming out with our market got hot i was like this isn't yeah. gonna end well because people are gonna get into the house be like oh i got my contract i'm so excited and then they get into the house and they're like oh now we got problems yep. okay well that's mm-hmm. when people start suing each other even if they you know they're so happy to get that house yeah and then there's mm-hmm. problems they're like, yeah yeah they're willing to overlook everything exactly wow and that's and that's with so and i go back to illinois because of the wholesale i call it the wholesale law but that's what they had to do in order to wholesale in illinois you had to become a licensed agent you had to be licensed professional in order to do it it's crazy i didn't know that was a a real thing that's 
Yeah, mind boggling. I'm not surprised it's coming out of Chicago, but it is. Yeah, no. Crazy. <laughs> so, so HB two seven four seven. It's just disclosures. Doesn't make wholesale illegal. You can still do it. Absolutely. Right? And I so, think there's a counterpart as well on the flip side where you're actually then selling it off, limiting, you know, explaining what your interest yeah. in the property are. Mm-hmm. And, and truly, we advise clients to, to do that now. Yep. Like any of our larger wholesalers that have websites, we put in there, disclose that you have an interest in the property. You're not actually owner of the owner property of that property. day. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a big difference, but people just don't realize that. Great stuff, man. So, so at Zone of Law, what else? What else do you guys do, man? So, the basic today, like day to day, obviously we're in court a lot on evictions, okay. helping a lot with you know the larger companies' policies, procedures, kind of setting up the fair housing issues, mm-hmm. do a lot of training for clients, and then we litigate out kind of the quiet title, the disclosure things that we're talking about right now. We're kind of limited in what we can take, so we're selective in those cases, just because it takes a lot of time. You got to, you know, when we commit, we commit fully, and those cases can go on a long time. We've got a couple of those quiet titles where investors, you know weren't sure what they were getting, mm-hmm. those kind of issues. And in this podcast probably won't be out yet, uh, but Mark's going to be doing a fair housing presentation at our monthly meeting uh, this upcoming Monday. So what about in, in that world, right? So there's got to be a lot of changes in yeah, society fair. with fair housing. Yeah, fair housing is probably, I mean, from ASRIA members, if there's one thing I could tell them besides the whole, you know, McDonald's, this is a business thing, yeah. is that fair housing is real and they need to comply. I think a okay. lot of Azria members, unfortunately, just overlook it because they're like, oh, I, don't, I only own a couple properties, probably mm-hmm. not going to get dinged for something. And so they kind of just are more relaxed with their policies, which sounds great. But the problem is, you know, you do something just on a hunch of whether the tenant's going to be good or not. Mm-hmm. Like I always go back, I've heard this for years, Azria guys would joke, some of the members that would show up and be like, oh, well, I was, when I'm running out of property, I just look at the guy's car. If the guy's car is good, that stuff scares yeah. me. I, I, trust me, and I know that stuff. And, and you know, you tell that to the attorney, and the attorneys get scared. So I know it sounds great, but the problem is, realistically, it you have that person, you reject them because of their car. They file a fair housing complaint because they're white, they're black, their yeah. race, color, religion, national origin, sex, familial status, and disability. And you're like, oh, I just looked at their car; it didn't look good. That's just not a great right, right. <laughs> Like, what was their FICO score? You're like, I have no I idea. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I just saw a lot of rappers in their car. <laughs> so people think they're being clever, but it scares me as the attorney because that's where, you know, fair housing, they just want people to objective criteria. They either meet your criteria. Or I always tell clients, you know, a tenant should be able to come into your office, hand you their application. You give them your standard and they should know whether they're going to qualify for your property. Okay. Yeah. So, so is there any like overarching tips about fair housing that landlords should understand and know? Yeah. Uh, for <laughs> the, the most abused one we're seeing now is assistance animals, of course, right? Yeah. People want no yeah. pets in their property. You have to accept assistance animal assistance animals if they have a doctor's note confirming the person's disabled and they need it to use and enjoy the animal. Can uh, you continue use, your pet fees? No. Can't do pet wow. fees. You can't charge pet no. rent. Wow. can't charge pet deposit. It's literally... People have to think of an assistance animal as a wheelchair. Got it. Which is kind of weird because, mm-hmm. you know, there's so much abuse of it. People just throw a vest on a dog and suddenly they've got an assistance animal. So let me ask you that, Mark, because, you know, now you can pull those certifications from offline and everything like that. How do you validate if this animal is truly an assist animal or should we not try and validate it? And if they say that's it is, question, yeah. Yeah. just go with it. No, no, no. It's an excellent question because that's the hardest thing. I, I think the most common thing I guess I see in fair housing, right? Um, because everybody's got their FIDO and you're like, oh, I want no pets. And suddenly FIDO is this, you know, assistance mm-hmm. animal that it never was two days ago. Um, so you can ask for certain information. What you're allowed to ask for is medical, medical verification that the person is disabled 
and that they need the animal for the use and enjoyment of the property. Okay. Now, unfortunately, fair housing is much more broad than a lot of the laws like the ADA for public areas, mm -hmm. airlines. I get bored you guys with all this stuff. Basically, everybody else only has to allow service animals, which are miniature horses and dogs. Whereas for fair housing, it's broad as can be. So you could theoretically have almost any animal if a doctor signs off on it. What, wow. you, what we've seen for years and years is just the certificates, kind of like what you're talking yeah. about, which is, hey, I went online, I paid 50 bucks for a certificate, and now I get it. You, you can question those. So that's probably not by a medical provider. Usually that's like a CEO of the company or chairman is mm -hmm. registering this dog. None of that's really real. Okay. okay. So medical. Medical. It's kind of like a prescription. Like if a yeah. dog, a psychiatrist, anybody's like, hey, this person needs it, they get it. Okay. That's different than I paid $65 for a card and a vest. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the first, cut first tenant I, that told me that was years ago. I was like, oh, I was like, stumped me there, man. I was like, I didn't mind it, <laughs> you know, but I may have done the whole pet fee thing. So I probably got to check into that. Yeah. And with fair housing, I mean, truly for Azria members, I don't care if, and I say this to all my clients actually, but as specifically, like, I don't care if you don't know the answer. Just realize it's a fair housing issue and say, hey, let me talk to my attorney and get back to you. Mm -hmm. That's all you need to know. Awesome. So what else? So we get to the pets. Anything? I did see a chicken this year, by the way, as oh. an assistance animal. It's pretty popular. Chickens are pretty popular, I've noticed. It doesn't go so well in an apartment, though. So they, <laughs> they never, right, right. We asked for additional documentation that never came. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Uh, all right. So fair housing, anything else on fair housing we should know? Any tidbits? No, or? I mean, just literally create a, and this kind of goes back to the business structure as well. It's just set up what you want. I don't care for my clients, whether you want the best of the best in terms of your tenants or you're willing to be a bit more lax. Like I had a client once, probably one of the funniest conversations I ever had. It was actually, as we remember, sat down and wanted to kind of build the business mm -hmm. and do everything else, but he had been it for years. He just wanted to clean up everything. So we're sitting down talking about like what his criteria are. And so I'm going through the same discussion saying, look, you mm -hmm. need to have an objective criteria of what kind of tenant you want. And we go through it and he goes, I, I take sex offenders. And I go, what are you talking about? Why would you, why would you? <laughs> just as an attorney, that, it just that. gave me pause. <laughs> I was like, why, why would you possibly do that? That's like usually the first box we check saying no sex offenders. He goes, they're the best tenants I've ever had. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, they can't rent. They don't else. leave. Yeah. He's like, they pay rent on the first of the month. They never cause me a problem because they know if they, if they get evicted, they have to go somewhere else trying mm -hmm. to find, the, find another mm -hmm. multifamily property. It's not going to work. So he's like, they're the best tenants I've ever had. They're quiet. They're perfect. And I go, fine with me. doesn't bother me as an attorney. If that's what your yeah. standards is, yeah. as long as you're uniformly apply it, great. Now, on the other hand, if you want to be like, I need a 750, 800 FICO score, do that as well. But realize you're going to thin out the market right. of what's available. Okay, so you can create your own criteria up front, mm -hmm. establish exactly. it. Okay. That's all I'm looking for clients to do is saying, okay. give me the piece of paper, tell me what you want or what you don't want. Got it. Wow. Good stuff, okay. man. Wow. And then do you guys have like a template or something like that for somebody to uh, say, hey, zone of law, I need to start a criteria. Where do I start it? Yeah, absolutely. We've got a one page, kind of the checkbox ideas that you want to go through. And we don't even give the standards. We just give the ideas of what you should think about, right? Like, do you want evictions? Do you want them to have a bankruptcy in the past? How much, you know, collections, other issues that you can think of? Because, you know, you're, people don't realize you're getting into a business with this person for a year, right? It's not yeah. just, you know, passive. It's, that's your partner for a year for them to pay the rent and you get the mortgage paid. So true. Awesome, man. A lot of great info today. Yeah. So, Mark, how can we get in touch with you if, if someone here in the state has additional questions they want to reach out to Zona Law? How, where can we go? I appreciate it. So the website is zona.law. We tried to, when we did the rebranding, we tried to make it as simple as possible. Yeah. No.com, not, nothing else, mm -hmm. just zona.law. We also have our podcast on YouTube, um, which, like I said, there's a lot of pandemic stuff and then shifting uh, to 
now back to just the basic landlord tenant to okay. keep people updated. And then the office phone number, it's easy as a 480-949-1400. We always took calls there. And then we also have our Tucson, but 480s, easy as can be. Okay. And, and also right in the, under the business associates at Ezria.org. And Mark um, is always at the trade show. Yes. The monthly meeting. You always have a booth. You're always there answering questions and helping out. Yeah. And we always do the uh, Q&A in the, the newsletter and the legal yep. article as well. So always, you yep. can pretty much find us anywhere in the Azria world. Yep. That's true. Well, thank you so much, Mark. We really appreciate you stopping by today. This and has been great to be with you guys. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. And we'll make sure we get everything out and let everybody know where to reach you. And successful show today. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. <laughs> thank you guys so much for having me. Yep. Okay. Thank you so much. Guys, you know what to do. Go to asria.org if you need additional information about real estate investing resources, asria.org. And we will see you on another episode. Thanks for listening to the Asria Show with your hosts, Marcus Maloney and Mike Delpreet. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you found this information valuable, head over to asria.org and learn more about our community.